Uh, good afternoon now for everyone listening. Um, it's a privilege that you're all here. I want to thank Pastor Ramdin and the team also, um, youth team, for inviting me to be back on NEC Youth to um, share a word with you today. Um, just to set the scene or set the context, if you want to turn in your Bibles with me to Jeremiah 31. Jeremiah chapter 31. If you want to turn there, hopefully, well, not even hopefully, you have your Bibles with you at your homes. Um, if you are at home, please turn there. Jeremiah 31. And I'll be reading from verse 31, which says, I'll read in your hearing, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the, in the day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant, which they broke, though I was a husband to them, says the Lord, but this is the covenant I will make with the, the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Verse 34, no more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother saying, know the Lord, for they shall know me from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. The, the message or the, the title for the message today is called God's Rehabilitation Act, God's Rehabilitation Act. And it's an interesting um, topic, um, one which I had to contact the government for on this one. And just by way of caveats, I, I need to um, let you all know the material discussed in this message is, of course, a simplification of UK legislation. And it's by no means an interpretation of UK law that you should try to apply to your own lives without doing your own research, um, of course. Um, and later on, don't ask me how I found out about it, but just thank me, thank me after the message. Let's pray, let's pray. God's Rehabilitation Act, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you once again for this great opportunity to be able to um, be your mouthpiece to your people. Lord, like you've done in many times before, I just ask that once again, you will speak through me, send your Holy Spirit just to continue to touch my lips, touch my mind, that as I speak to your people, um, they will hear your words, that your Holy Spirit will go into every person listening's home right now, just to uh, touch their hearts and continue to knock at the door of their hearts. Um, be with us, we pray that after this, you will get all the glory and all the honor that you are due. Um, I thank you in advance already. In Jesus' name. Amen. God's Rehabilitation Act. In 1974, Kenneth Marks, who uh, was a Labour MP for the Manchester Gorton area, he helped to introduce uh, what would be called the Rehabilitation of Offenders Act for citizens within the United Kingdom. Before this legislation was created, MPs like Kenneth Marks, they noticed that there was an inherent problem with the law, or with UK law at least. You see, what was found was that when criminals had finished their convictions, whether that was jail time or community service, people 
would often have this mark on their record that would stop them from getting future jobs or becoming a normal member in the society, even when their offence was relatively minor. So uh, what this Rehabilitation of Offenders Act did is it allowed criminal or at least some criminal convictions to be ignored after the rehabilitation period. So if someone had spent five months in jail after their sentence had finished, it could be ignored the fact that they ever had been to jail before. What this meant was that if one was applying for a job or insurance and even within some civil proceedings within the UK, they would not have to disclose the fact that they had been convicted for a crime in the past. In fact, the act went further to make it a criminal offence with anyone or who anyone who had access to these criminal records of someone who had been convicted in the past, it made it illegal for them to release the information and it was an even worse crime to try to obtain the information by dishonesty or bribery. If you look online, many uh, legal commentators will, they'll tell you that every year people uh, miss out on the benefits that this law brings because they either don't understand how it works or they don't know it exists. People, every year ex-criminals lose out on jobs, every year criminals lose out on cheaper insurance premiums, every year criminals lose out on the relief of not being judged by their past simply because they don't uh, know the Rehabilitation of Offenders Act exists or they don't understand uh, how to apply it. Today, I just want to let somebody know that at least I believe that God also has a Rehabilitation of Offenders Act and it confronts us all because we are reminded in scripture that we are all sinners. We have all offended God in one way or another, but it's sad because every year people, people stuck in the trials of life, men and women caught up in cycles of devastation, miss out on salvation merely because they don't know God's Rehabilitation Act exists or they don't understand how to apply it. If you just look in your Bibles with me, um, although God gave, we see, although God gave the law and the Ten Commandments for the Israelites to live by, uh, by the way the Ten Commandments and the law is helped to define many of the legal systems that exist around the world today you find it in exodus and deuteronomy uh, but god also noticed that there was an inherent problem with the laws that he'd, he had given mankind to obey and in jeremiah 31 and uh, we've read some of it there but also in jeremiah 32 these authors let us know what the problem is and how it would be resolved in just a bit of context in jeremiah's time the the people were going through a horrific situation. The Northern Kingdom of Israel had been already taken and destroyed and they were in captivity. And now Judah were being surrounded by the Babylonians who they were trying to resist. God had already told them though that they were going to go into captivity because they were continually breaking his law on multiple occasions, which just seemed to get worse at every turn. So the Babylonians, the Babylonians, they would uh, destroy Judah and take them into captivity. You see, the problem was that while God's law governed the Israelites, they were unable to obey it. 
And God knew that mankind would just continue to time and time again, be constant offenders of God's law, even for relatively minor crimes. Some of us here today, maybe you're able to resonate with this because at times it seems that you're always just disobeying God. For some of us, it seems like it's even impossible to do what God wants you to do, to be a good Christian in the world that we live in, to even live a right and moral life. Sometimes it seems impossible. And just like the Israelites, we struggle day by day to be completely obedient to God. Let's be real now. But before Judah goes into captivity, God, he lets them know uh, something important through Jeremiah and uh, these words are so important and I'm going to read it again because we catch it in uh, Jeremiah 31 and verse 31 and it says behold the days are coming says the Lord uh, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day in the day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt my covenant which they broke though I was a husband to them, says the Lord. But this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord, listen, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother saying, know the Lord for they shall know me from the least of them to the greatest of them, of them, says the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. And we're going to skip a bit and go to chapter 32 and verse 38. And it says, they shall be my people and I will be their God. Uh, then I will give them one heart and one way uh, that they may fear me forever for the good of them and their children after them. Verse 40, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them that I will not turn away from, from doing them good, but I will put my fear in them, in their hearts, so they will not depart from me. You see, in these texts, we see that God was going to initiate something whereby humans, human beings like you and I, would not be defined by our current situations or by our past, but not only that, God was going to create a pathway whereby humans could stay obedient to him. Listen, church, it was more than mere words. It was more than speculation. It was more than just a plan because yes, while John tells us that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and yes the word was God John also continues and the word became flesh and lived among us and we have seen his glory the glory as of the father's only son full of grace and truth you see in order for God to rehabilitate the offenders of his law God acted and sent Jesus let me just expand on that one because you see God's words promising that he would write his law in our hearts those words became manifest those words became fulfilled when the word became flesh uh, just briefly because I know uh, some of us like those biblical references if you just uh, look at Matthew 5 verse 17 to 20 
it show it will show you that Jesus came to fulfill the law. Uh, but then also, if you look at First Peter two and verse twenty two and Hebrews four and verse fifteen and First John three and verse five, they will all show that Jesus remained faithful and obedient to the law. When Jesus came into the world, he <laughs> became God's rehabilitation of offenders act. Uh, you notice it in the Bible because uh, the Bible shows you that when Jesus came, he uh, did not come to do his own will, but he came to do uh, the will of the one who sent him. When he came, he came before the foundation of the world that we could be holy and blameless before him. He came uh, born under the law so that we might, that he might redeem uh, those that were under the law, that we might receive adoption as his sons when and daughters when he came the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he received sinners and ate with them he came so that we would no longer be strangers and foreigners but that we could be called fellow citizens with the saints of God's household when Jesus came he came so that you could have life and have it more abundantly when Jesus came he came demonstrating his love towards us uh, towards you and I in that while we were yet sinners Christ died for us when Jesus came he saves offenders among whom you and I are chief uh, listen God sent Jesus into this world for him to act on my behalf for him to act on your behalf so that if you just chose or that or if you choose just to accept him uh, you would no longer become subject to your past in fact your sins my sins my uh, disobedient they all become ignored because of God's uh, rehabilitation of offenders act uh, that's why Paul says in Romans 8 and verse 1 and we have been reading it as part of our um uh, inverse Sabbath school we read it last week I believe and he says there is therefore now no condemnation <laughs> to those who are in Christ Jesus and now I know some of us are we're feeling a little bit more relieved where we're happy because despite of what our pasts look like we uh, now know that in God's eyes you can exist you can be as if though you have never offended him. In fact, Micah 17 and verse 9, it, it tells us he will again have compassion on us. He, he will tread our iniquities, our crimes underfoot. It says God will cast our sins into the depths of the sea. And at times we, we tend to leave the messages there. That, that Yes, Jesus, Jesus has done so much to, to save us yet it's ironic because many times we are just willing to accept the fact that yes Jesus came to die for us but then we make no attempt to change or have Jesus transform us but listen God's rehabilitation of offenders act it's it's useless unless it's being applied God's rehabilitation act it is useless unless the act the legislation unless it's being applied what do i mean uh, well when god sent jesus i've said it already he initiated something whereby humans would not be defined by their past yes but he also created a pathway whereby humans could stay obedient to him 
some of you should have got this from the beginning because the whole point of God's Rehabilitation of Offenders Act is to rehabilitate. Uh, the definition of rehabilitation in the uh, dictionary, in one of the dictionaries I looked at it, it means to restore to former capacity, to reinstate, to uh, restore to a former state and to reinstate, uh, to reestablish. Re the text that we just read was Romans 8 verse uh, 1, it say, I missed out a bit because just to, for emphasis, but it says there is Therefore, now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. You see, those who are in Christ Jesus, there becomes a difference in the way that they start to live. There becomes a difference in the way that they start to walk. While people, some people, we understand, we know, we know now that God's Rehabilitation of Offenders Act exists, but, but sometimes we don't know how to apply it. Yes, some people, they claim to live in uh, grace and truth, but they don't understand what happens when grace and truth is applied. And I'm going to keep it simple today. Uh, don't take too much of your time. I just want to look through two different things, two different uh, things that take place when you start to apply Jesus in your life. Of course, there's many different things we can look at, but today I want to keep it simple and just look at two things, two things that happen when Jesus, when God's Rehabilitation Act starts to be applied to your life. Number one, you start to put away your old self when, when you start to uh, apply God's Rehabilitation Act to your life, you start to put away your old self. There are many and uh, multiple stories in, uh, that you've heard and that you've read in the Bible and that you've heard from other people, uh, uh, stories about people whose lives were changed when they decided to be a follower of Jesus. Uh, one particular story that, that really stands out for me is the story of a young woman around the age of uh, 25. She decided one day at the age of 25 that she would go on holiday to the Caribbean uh, because in the Caribbean some of her aunties lived out there and she didn't really get the chance to get to know them uh, while she was younger so she went out to the Caribbean to on holiday for six weeks to go be with her family there. You see having been previously brought up in the Caribbean herself by her grandmother until about the age of eight when her parents in England sent over some money to get their children to come over to Great Britain she was taught about Jesus by her grandmother, but all of that would change the moment she came to England when her parents uh, did not go to church. In fact, learning anything about Jesus became increasingly difficult due to the oppression and discrimination and systematic racism that was found within the British educational system, but also because of the repression that was in her home. Uh, so anyway, she gathered some money. She went on holiday to visit her aunties in, in the lovely island of St. Croix in the Caribbean. And uh, while she was there, her aunties were Christian. So she found herself going, her she found herself going to church on a weekly basis for the six weeks that she was there. There was one particular Sabbath when uh, the preacher was preaching and the Holy Spirit was doing its thing and working on her heart. And she got up for the altar call. And she would have got baptized that very week, but she wanted to wait until she got back to England to do it in front of her parents. However, it's funny how things work at times because when she got back to England, 
the devil made life harder for her and her father stopped her going to church. Uh, for no particular reason, he just did not want her to go to church and she was not able to get baptized as she wanted to, yet she was persistent. And about a year later on the one-off Sabbath when she was able to go to church, she took her mother with her and while they were listening to the sermon, once again, the Holy Spirit was working on her life and she went up for the altar call, saying she wanted to get baptized. You see, despite the consequences this young woman was facing in her home, she understood that there was something about her experience when she met Jesus for the first time in the Caribbean, something that had changed her life, something that didn't allow her just to go back to the normality of what was taking place. She wanted to live and live a life of walking with Jesus. To cut a long story short, um, that young lady, she got baptized. And not only that, her and her mother got baptized on the same day at a church in the North England Conference called Camp Hill Seventh-day Adventist Church. And uh, that story, it's so meaningful to me because it's my mother's story. Uh, and it's funny because I often hear comments or hear comments my uncles, they're not Adventists and, or they're not even Christian. And they often say at gatherings at times to my mother, well, you went off to the Caribbean and you just came back different. You see, the point I'm trying to make, church, is that when you meet Jesus and when you accept Jesus, you become different. You become different from the person that you was before you. There becomes a change in who you are that is visible not only to yourself, but also to the people who knew you and the people who know you. That's why Paul says in Romans 6 verse 6, knowing this that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. You see, when God acted to rehabilitate us by sending Jesus, a pathway was created where we would no longer be slaves to our old lifestyles, where we would no, no longer be controlled by our past desires. A pathway was created so you could walk differently in a way that's recognizable to the people around you. But we want to keep going. Uh, the other thing that takes place, uh, or another thing that takes place out of the many things that take place, but I'm just focusing on two. Another thing that takes place is that you no longer become entangled in sin. You no longer become entangled in sin. Galatians. Uh, 5 verse 1 it says stand fast therefore in the liberty uh, or the freedom by which Christ has made us free and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage entangled in the dictionary it means to cause uh, to become twisted together with or caught up in it also means to involve in difficulties or complicated circumstances from which it is difficult to escape um, I also looked at this text because as, as, um, a, a, um, as a student, um, I, I looked at the word in its original language. As a student of Greek, I looked at the Greek and something interesting I found there because in the Greek, the, the word entangle, it's in the present tense, but it has a passive voice. Let me explain. So while the action what's taking place, the action of entanglement is in the present. Uh, the text seems to suggest that this entanglement is something that the subject receives rather than the subject performs. 
<laughs> the text raises something important because we tend to think of sin as something or entanglement in sin as something that we need to perform. Uh, that we're doing something to be entangled in sin. Yet this the text, it seems to suggest that you become entangled uh, when you yourself become passive. And you see, that's the point. Uh, because you're entangled because you're doing nothing. Whereas those who are walking in the spirit, they're standing firm. They're walking in the freedom that Christ has given. They don't become entangled in sin because they understand that if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. They understand that in whatever they do, it's for the glory of God. They understand that if they walk in the spirit, they won't become or they won't indulge in their corrupt desires. They understand also that the Lord is not slow to keep his promises as some understand slowness. Uh, instead, the Lord is patient with you and uh, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Uh, they understand that not being entangled in sin means that they are actively walking in the spirit. Which means they've put away their old selves, they've uh, put away those things that they were caught up in before. But I want us to note something for a minute. I want us to note something and we're, 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 we're wrapping up soonish. I want us to note something because not becoming entangled in sin does not mean that you do not sin. Let me put it another way. Not becoming entangled in sin does not mean that you don't make mistakes. It does not mean that you stop uh, everything else and you now are perfect from now on. You see, what often does damage to the Adventist and even the Christian reputation and causes at times spiritual depression in many of our lives is the belief that our ability to be obedient is something that can save us. Yet this, this, this misinformed mindset, it creates a tension between our want to do what's right and our inability of ourselves to achieve it. You see, that's why I started the message with Jesus, because our, obil our ability to obey God does not come from us, nor is it a result of how hard we try, but it's a consequence of our application of God's rehabilitation act. It is a consequence of our walk with Jesus. It's a consequence of what we are doing with Jesus Christ. You see, when we choose Jesus and we desire to walk with him, despite our past, God starts to apply his rehabilitation act on our lives, which means, yes, there's no condemnation. Your record, it's wiped clean. In fact, even the angels in heaven don't have permission to go digging up your past because who the sun sets free is free indeed. But notice, the rehabilitation is a process. You see in a dictionary, the, the word uh, rehabilitation, it, it lets you know that this rehabilitation, it's a process. It's a process that takes place in your life. Uh, yet during this process, we often, uh, we often face the ethical dilemma. Uh, because yes, while Jesus, despite our dirtiness, uh, takes his righteousness and puts out his righteousness on us despite what our pasts look like at times it almost seems like a lie because 
while I call myself a Christian, there are still ungodly things that I'm struggling with. Or while I say that I'm saved, there are still things on this earth uh, that I'm still holding on to. And although we are not necessarily entangled in sin, and many times we find ourselves sinning, but that's why I want you just as we wrap up here, I want to let you pay attention to the text that in Philippians 3 verse 12, Philippians 3 verse 12, Paul gives us some very important insight. And I'll read it. Paul says, not that I have already attained or I'm already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, verse 13, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind me and reaching forwards <laughs> to those things that are ahead, I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Jesus Christ. I just want to read that again for emphasis. Not that I have already attained or I'm already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forwards to those things which are ahead, I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. I don't know who needs to hear this today, but I just need to tell someone that you need to start forgetting those things that are behind you. Forget how many times you messed up. Forget that even thing that you did yesterday. Forget about the things that are behind don't allow that to make you passive, but press forward in your walk with Jesus towards the prize of eternal life. We're wrapping up, we're wrapping up, we're wrapping up, we're wrapping up. In one of my devotionals this week, as we close, one of my devotionals, it was about the, the story the, the author was looking at the, the story of the Israelites' journey into Canaan. And the author noted, he made this point that God had promised the land of Canaan to all of Israel, yet few occupied it. The author went on to um, establish and explain that because God had promised, while the victory had already been paid for, the Israelites only possessed what they fought for. And for me, that was such, an, uh, such a powerful point uh, because in our lives today, we understand that God is trying to take us to the spiritual Canaan. He's trying to take us to heaven. He's trying to establish his kingdom. And God has already promised that before Canaan even comes, that we as Christians, we as people following Christ, will be able to be obedient to God just as Jesus was. And while the victory has already been paid for because God has established his rehabilitation act, 
at times we only possess what we fight for. You see, if you're not willing to start actively walking with Jesus Christ, you won't start to walk. And maybe there's someone here today that up until today you've been you've been missing out on the benefits that God's Rehabilitation Act, uh, because may, uh, that it brings maybe because you either didn't know it existed or uh, maybe you didn't understand how to apply it. Uh, you've maybe been saying I'm a Christian, but you've never experienced change or uh, change in how you live, change in how you think, uh, change in how you act and Maybe you even thought change was impossible. But if you're that person here today and you're, you've been listening and you understand, yes, God's rehabilitation of offenders, it exists, it exists. And in fact, I've been an offender. And maybe you want to say here today, Lord, yes, I believe in you, but I also understand that you want me to change. And not only that, Lord, you want me to fight for this change. You don't want me to just be passive. You want me to do something uh, to get to know you better, to start to walk uh, with your spirit more. For someone here today, I don't know what that looks like. Uh, perhaps it, it, it may be a start for you to put away your old life, to start uh, putting some things away that you've been caught up in. Maybe uh, for someone else, it's that you stop becoming entangled in sin by actively starting to walk with Jesus by having morning devotionals, having even devotions. Maybe it, mean, it might mean for you just starting to pray. I don't know, for someone else. It might mean that today you start to make the, or today that you make the decision that you want to be baptized and you start to let that process happen that you can be baptized as soon as possible. Baptisms are still happening. If you want to declare to Jesus that I want to be with you for eternity and I want to make a public declaration, if that's you, maybe. But all I know is that there's someone or many people listening today who understand that something needs to change in their life because God has promised. And he wants us to walk in his spirit. He wants us to press towards the goal of eternal life. So if that's you, if that's you, I, I know the, uh, the NEC youth, they're going to put something in the chat. If you're listening on YouTube or Facebook or whatever platform you're listening on, they're going to put something in the chat for you to be able to click on to because we want uh, we want to follow up. We want to start to follow up on some of the decisions that you are making. It's a NEC youth decision form and uh, we want you to put your names. We want you to put your emails there and there's a few things that you can choose to do. If you'd like to accept Jesus as your personal uh, Lord and Savior, tick that box. If you uh, want to have Bible studies, tick that box. If you want to be baptized, tick that box. And we'll follow up with you because we want you to start to walk with Jesus. And we want to help you with that walk so it can be sustainable and maintainable. So this form, hopefully they'll pull it in the chat. I can't see. Hopefully I'm just trusting that they have done it. They'll pull it in the chat. Hopefully you can see it and you've gone on and you're starting to look at what's there and as you're doing that, I just want to reassure you with something that the author of Jude says. <laughs> a couple of weeks ago, I was um, speaking with a friend. And of course, as we Seventh-day Adventists, as conservatives and us liberals, as we do, we have this debate with perfection, whether it's possible to be completely obedient to Christ. And um, he, he, um, raised, he, he raised a very important scripture. 
which I'd like to share with you all here today because it gives hope. It gives hope and it gives promise and it, it gives us a future. And it says first, or there's only one chapter in Jude and verse 24, it says, now to him, <laughs> I like the King James Version. I like the King James Version more. It says now unto him who is able to keep you from falling or stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceedingly joy, exceeding joy. And just be, in case you forgot who he was, to God, our savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forevermore. God <laughs> is able to keep you from falling. And not only that, he will present you faultless before the Father. So if that's you, I'm trusting that you've... Um, all been able to fill out that form. I just want to pray. I just want to pray at this moment for your decisions uh, that people have made here today. Let's pray. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we, once again, we thank you. I personally thank you that Jesus is my personal rehabilitation of offenders. Because, Lord, there's been many times that I've offended you, but you've created legislation whereby I can let go of my past and press forward towards the mark and the prize of eternal life. Lord, I thank you for that promise. I thank you that you are faithful to uh, fulfill the promise that not only you did in Jesus' life, but that you want to also do in my life. Lord, I thank you for sending your son. I thank you for all everything that was accomplished through Jesus Christ. Lord, I also pray for everyone who's made the decision here today. Lord, they're saying that they want to experience some change because they understand that uh, this Rehabilitation Act is not about just knowing it exists. It's also about applying it in our daily lives. So, Lord, many people here today, maybe they want Bible study to get to know you more. Uh, maybe someone here wants to get baptized. Lord, I just pray that you will solidify every single one of those decisions made. Lord, I pray that you will bound the devil in their lives, that their parents, that their family members, that anyone else around them will not stop the decisions that they've made for you here today. Lord, be with them. Continue to send your Holy Spirit to transform and change their life. Help them not to get passive so that they won't be entangled in sin, but they will continue to actively walk with you. Lord, indeed, I thank you once again because you are an amazing and lovely God. Be with us as we continue this day. We thank you for your Sabbath. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.